Well, good morning. It's nice to see all of you. Uh, some of us have our, our new school clothes on. Uh, it's that time of year. Somebody noticed that I had an unfaded pair of jeans on today and asked me if it was school time. That's why I tucked in my shirt today, too, because when you get new jeans, you know, I mean, it's like the first day of school. You know what I'm saying? Huh? Wow. Well, the Olympics are on. That has our attention, yeah? I think one of the most fascinating stories yesterday was this Adam Peaty guy who broke the world record for the breaststroke, this 21-year-old British kid. And catch this, as a child, he was deathly afraid of the water. Did you hear this story? That is, he was hard to bathe as a toddler, as a four- and five-year-old even. He wouldn't sit down in the tub because he was afraid of the water. Yesterday, he broke the world record for the breaststroke. I, I just want you to think about something. If there is that much power for transformation in the human spirit, imagine what's possible for us in the power of the Holy Spirit. The transformative power of the Holy Spirit. Turn in your Bibles to John chapter 6. I'm stuck in John 6. It's such a great place with this bread of life thing going on. I'm stuck here. And the food has been so good. So the past, I just want to keep going from the last two Sundays. I want to start in verse 35. Then Jesus declared, I'm the bread of life. I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, and remember he's talking to these people who had followed him across the the lake after he had walked on water, and they were so full of questions. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. Thank you, God. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all that, has, that he has given to me, catch this, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. At this, the Jews began to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread of heaven that came down from heaven. I have to add the satirical tone. And they said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he say I came down from heaven? Father, we invite the present power of your Holy Spirit to come and do something with this word that I could never do. Cause it to come to life and fall uniquely on the ears of every person in this room to bring about the unique response that you desire from each of us. In Jesus' name, amen. You have the assurance that if you're believing in Jesus Christ, that you're going to be raised up at the last day. (laughs) You know, a few chapters later, when Lazarus died, and Jesus is called, and he asked one of his sisters, Well, don't you believe that I could raise him from the dead? And she said, she said, well, we believe that you'll raise him at the last day. 
now you understand why she answered that way is because that's what he'd said earlier. So it's an acceptable answer because they're trying to sort out all this strange stuff that Jesus is saying. We believe that you will resurrect him at the last day. And to that Jesus answered, well, I am the resurrection and the life and whoever believes in me will, will never die. Whoever lives and believes in me said will never die. He's going to raise us up at the last day. John 6.35 is where I'd like you to put your attention for the time that we have together this morning. Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. Who believes in me will never be thirsty. And this is on the tail end of what we've seen the last couple of weeks with them following him across the lake and him having fed the 5,000 with five loaves and two fish and all of this stuff had happened. And he said, uh, it's not the miracles that you're really hungry for, it's me you're hungry for. And that the work of God is to do what? Do you remember this? To believe in the one he has sent. That that's the work that God requires. That's the end of our work. That's the end of our religious obligation is to believe in Jesus Christ. Everything else starts from there. That's the end of the work because Jesus did the work for us. But in this verse here, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. I want to just point out a few things as we seek to see what the Holy Spirit might want to do here in the room and start with the fact that he said, I am. I am. You always want to pay attention when Jesus says, I am something. Because it's not accidental. I am is a connection, as many of you may already know, to the name for God in the Old Testament, Yahweh. Yahweh. Say that. Yahweh. It's really the probably the better trans pronunciation of the word that for centuries was pronounced Jehovah. You've heard Jehovah. And probably, likely, Yahweh is a better pronunciation of the same word, although we don't know how it's pronounced because by the Jews it was never spoken. It was the name for God. It had no vowels. The best we can do is really think of it as Y-W-H. Just for fun. Just say Y-W-H. Just try to use your phonetics and go, yeah. There's something there for it if you look for it. It's just a burst of breath, isn't it? And God breathed into the nostrils of man the breath of life. And our image will create him. And we'll call him Vladimir. The breath of God has breathed into our breathed us into existence. It's your breath in our lungs. But we pour out our praise his breath Yahweh Yahweh it's really the name of God started in Exodus chapter 3 when Moses was called to go get the Israelites out of Egypt anybody get that far you should be that far Exodus is the second book of the Bible you should be that far Exodus chapter 3 and God calls Moses to go fetch the Israelites out of slavery God's in the business of setting people free. You know this, right? 
And so he says, okay, I'm thinking about going, but if I go, who shall I say sent me? If I say, I am Moses and I'm here to set you free. He said, tell them I am that I am. Tell them, sent me. And then the next verse says, and God will forever be known to the Israelites by that name. He was known, but there was, it was such a sacred term to them that they wouldn't speak it. So they came up for a couple of different ways to refer to God. One was to use the Yahweh with a suffix. So like Yahweh Sidkenu, which is Hebrew for the Lord is, I am, my righteousness. Yahweh Yirah. The Lord is my provider. Jehovah Jireh, my provider. His grace is sufficient. Any Pentecostals here? Four of you. Ah, oh, we miss those songs. The other way was another set of Hebrew terms, Elohim, Adonai, which really referred to him as Lord. And so when you read through the Old Testament and you see in English it says Lord in all caps sometimes, that's a reference to that. Yahweh, but Jesus is saying, I am something. And when he said, I am, everybody took notice. I am, because he's connecting himself with God. I am the bread of life. I am. Seven times in the book of Jesus used this device as a revelation of himself. I love the book of John among all the Gospels, because it's so loving, it's so personal, it's so, come here, Tom. It's so drawing. Seven times in the book of John, Jesus said stuff like, I am the light of the world, I am the bread of life, I am the resurrection and the life, I am the way, the truth, and the life, I am the door, I am the good shepherd. And so when he said, I am, and then something i think we want to pay attention to that don't you because it is a revelation of himself as god he's showing himself some dimension of his his godness i am yahweh and then something i'm always i always try to pay attention he's always saying i am and here he's saying i am the bread of life and this was such a very dangerous thing to say i am the bread of life and then he says, I came down from heaven. So he's just telling them what they're thinking. I was wondering about the rhythm of Jesus' voice, don't you? I would, I would love just to know how he talked. Because we read and we read and we're, we're reading it in our own tones, aren't we? And we're reading it in our own rhythms. And I wonder if he said, I am the bread of life or I am. Wait for it. <laughs> bread of life because if he said it the second way he was walking into danger i am the bread of life who comes to me will never go hungry leaves me will never be thirsty it was getting him in a heap of trouble he said this enough times that if you flip over a page in your bible john chapter 8 verses 58 and 59, Jesus said to these same types of people, I tell you the truth, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. Yeah. 
before they were questioning him because he was talking about knowing Abraham before they were even born. And they say, well, you're not even yet 50 years old. And how could you know Abraham? And he said, but I'll tell you the truth. Before Abraham was even born, I am. I love it that he didn't say I was. Because he's still the same. Ready to blow your mind? He's still the same. Today. I am. Look at their response. At this, they picked up stones to stone him. This is so offensive to say that he's God. But Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple ground from from the temple grounds. He just split. Jesus said, Whoever comes to me, whoever comes to me in this John eight or six thirty five, whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Comes. Whoever comes. That's a continuing action. Comes. Comes. Keep coming. Yep. Keep coming. But I've been. Come again. Come on. Keep coming. Keep coming. We'll never go hungry. Not we'll never be hungry. It's our hunger that drives us back to him, right? Are you hungry for the Lord? Then come on, he says. Then come on. It's easier to sit around and complain about being hungry, right? It's easier to move from place to place to place to place looking for your brand of food, right? In reality, if a church is a church, they have Jesus Christ to offer you. The table is set for you. But then it becomes your responsibility to come to that table, right? Whoever comes to me, comes to me, he said. Comes to me. Not to the church, not to the pastor, not to the priest, not to the band, not to the style, not to the convenient time, not to whatever it is that enters into our decision to be a part of that place. He said, whoever comes to me, comes to me, comes to me. Jesus is offering us encounter with himself. And it gets back to that whole religion relationship argument, doesn't it? If you come to anyone other than Jesus, you're coming to religion. If you come to Jesus, you're coming to relationship. Here again is just one of the essential distinctions between religion and relationship. Let me quickly list a few. Religion establishes conditions. Relationship fulfills them. Religion says, here are the conditions that you need to fulfill to be a part of our religion. Do Right? Relationship fulfills them. Relationship fulfills them. Relationship says, I'll do that for you. They're fulfilled. Religion sets up layers. Relationship peels them away. Religion sets up layers. Oh, you can't talk to him. No, no. You got to be this person to talk to him. And to get to be that person, you got to go through this person. You, You get an idea of what I'm talking about? That's religion. Relationship peels layers away. It says, we're all the same. <laughs> we're all the same. I'm the same as you. I just got a better job. Religion is based on approval. Relationship is built on acceptance. Religion is based on approval. Keep 
checking off the boxes and we'll give you your stamp of approval for the week, but better come back next week. Relationship is built on acceptance, the Lord accepting us as his sons and daughters through the blood of Jesus. Religion is about doing. Relationship is about being. Let those things roll around in the hamster wheel of your mind for a while. So Jesus said, whoever, whoever believes in me, whoever believes in me, he said in this verse, will never be thirsty. There's a perpetual liquid. There's a perpetual fountain. Always, Jesus said, whoever believes in me, streams of living water will well up from what's inside them. So we'll never be thirsty, but we won't go hungry. You come back for the food. But the abiding reality of Christ in us will never be thirsty. We come to come whoever believes in him. If you come to him, he'll feed you. If you believe in him, you'll never be thirsty. So when we were up a couple of weeks ago in one of the verses, I think it was verse uh, 29, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he sent. And I made the big fuss about believe in him, not about him. Anybody remember that? That, that the dynamic of the Christian life is not believing the story about him, but it's believing in him. That there's a pretty big difference between saying, yeah, I believe that stuff about Jesus. Yeah, that he lived and died. and da, da, da. Yeah, I believe the elements of the creedal statements of the church. I believe about that. But to believe in him means to rest the very essence of our lives in his hands, under his direction, in his control. There's a difference, isn't there? And here in this verse, he says, if you believe in me, you'll never be thirsty. It's the same thing. After I brought that teaching a couple of weeks ago, one of our guys in the church, who happens to be a pastor in the church, is a great brother in the Lord. He, his vocation is a hospice pastor. And so he spends his week out taking care of people in hospice situations. Incredibly compassionate, mature believer. I have the deepest respect for him. And so for some reason, it was just, I never know who I'm going to talk to after the church. And I just, I just happened to see him. Hey, Mark, how you doing? And he says, well, was it ice or was it N? And I said, excuse me? Was it ice or was it N? He's a really nice guy, so I'm probably putting a more caustic tone into it than I even did. But I felt questioned. I backed up a couple steps and said, Mark, I don't even know what you're talking about. Well, the Greek word for in, when it says believe in me, was it ice or was it N? Because there are a couple of Greek words that could have been used there. And I said, well, you know, I really only have the English Bible memorized, um, so I have to look up the Greek and uh, I don't have the English Bible memorized, by the way. I said, that's a great question, Mark. And you know what? It didn't really occur to me to, to look at that. And I did. And it was such a great revelatory question. Because it wasn't N. It was ice. See? How many of you just had your divine moment? So, preposition in can come from the Greek word en or ice. En means kind of to be inside something. So 
that if I hold a quarter, if I have a quarter in my hand, I would say, I have a quarter and my hand. But if I'm going to put a quarter into my hand, more like an into, into with some action, with some motion to it, I would say, I'm going to put a quarter ice my hand. And Jesus said, whoever believes in me, it's not a static thing. But whoever believes into me, whoever believes into me, whoever believes their way from where they are into me. And it automatically teaches us that the whole relationship with the Lord Jesus is a dynamic thing of movement, isn't it? It's not a it's not a static thing. Oh yeah, I'm a Christian. I'm good. Just waiting for the day. I got my I got my get out of hell free card in my hand, in my hand. I'm good. I mean, that's such an important element of being Christians, of course. But the Bible's saying whoever Jesus said, whoever believes into me, into me. And it's a coming thing, it's an active thing, it's an always dynamic thing. It's a, you're saved, yeah, your salvation is sure, but you're never done coming to Jesus. You're never done coming to Jesus. You say, well, I believe in him. Do you mean I believe in him like this or I believe in him like this? Great question, Mark. Who, by the way, will be bringing the message two weeks from Sunday? Don't want to miss it. First Peter 2.9 says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a people, a holy nation, God's special possession, or a people belonging to God. Why? So that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into what does it say? Is it there? There's there. His marvelous light, wonderful light, depending on your translation. Called out of darkness and into light. Out of darkness and into light. So if you've been wondering about that poor face graphic that I've been using all morning of that poor sad man, I was just so compelled with how it spoke to me about what it means to be a Christian, how you're constantly perpetually moving out of darkness and into light. And so the question isn't just, are you saved? Of course you're saved, but how are you coming? Are you coming out of darkness and into light? Is your life characterized more and more by the supernatural worldview, the kingdom worldview? You're living more and more in light and less and less in darkness. You feeling this? We believe our way into Christ. That's an action. We, believe, we keep believing. We keep releasing our faith. Now, it's a momentary thing to be saved, and then we are in Christ. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17, where it says, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation, that's the word in. That's in. If anyone, so that's a place. That's a, that's a solid position. But Jesus says, keep believing into me. Out of darkness. Keep coming to the table. How do I believe my way into Jesus? You just keep coming and showing up. 
you just keep opening the Bible before you go to work and pray in your prayers. You just keep leaning forward and worshiping and letting God be God. You just keep surrendering people to the Lord and stop carrying them on your own shoulders. You just keep coming to the Lord and say, God, I'm desperate to experience you. I'm desperate to sh- for you to show me the way. You just keep coming. Because he said, I am the bread of life. I'm here for you. Whoever comes to me, he'll never go hungry. So Jesus is saying, if we come to him, he will feed us. And that is always available to us. But we need to come into that. Some of you, a few of you will remember 1993. There was really an exciting thing happening in the vineyard called the Toronto Blessing. And at the airport vineyard in Toronto, the Holy Spirit had poured himself out with such power. I was just coming into the vineyard at the time. And uh, I was so hungry for God. We had just, 93, 94, in that area, we had just planted this church. By that time, we were up to like 50 people. We were so excited, it was on. And we were just moving into a storefront on Wedgwood Drive next to the Westgate Cocktail Lounge. It made everything so convenient. And I just remember loving what God was doing there. And uh, I was so hungry to see just the most radical manifestation of the Lord in our, in our little group. And it was going on in Toronto, and all the buzz was what was happening in Toronto. And so I called my dad, who lived in Michigan, and I called him. And my dad came to Jesus after I, I was the first one in my, our family to be saved. And so my dad had come to Jesus after me, but he'd fallen in with a group of Pentecostals. He, he kept going to this meeting called the Full Gospel Businessmen's Association. These guys were off the hook Pentecostals. I mean, they spoke to each other in tongues. Just kidding. And... And I just remember calling my dad and saying, Hey, Dad, why don't we meet in Toronto for a couple days? And he said, All right. So we got ourselves a little hotel room in Toronto, and we went for a couple days to the meetings in Toronto. And it was crazy. It was off the hook. And they had, it was, it had become so powerful that... In like in the back of the room, which was probably every bit of this size of this auditorium, they had duct tape on the floor. And if you wanted to get prayer and receive the blessing of the Holy Spirit after the preaching and the worship and everything, you went back and you stood on the duct tape. Yeah, it was just a method. It seemed weird. So there were like 10 lines of duct tape. And of course, when they say, if, so if you want to get in on this, just go back and stand on the duct tape. And hundreds of people are going back there and we're standing on the duct tape. <laughs> I know. 
And they had trained their people, as we love to do in the vineyard, to do the praying for people. And so there were pairs of people who were moving on down the duct tape, just praying for the blessing on people. And so I'm like about a third of the way down my strip, and I'm seeing people, and they are dropping like flies. I mean, these people would come and pray for them, and they're like, boom, they're just down. And I'm like, this is going to be so cool. I can't wait. I want to fall down. And they're falling down, and boom. I'm like, I'm ready, Lord. I'm so ready. Boom. Every one of them. And then they were at me, and I'm closing my eyes like, I'm ready. I'm ready. And they're praying, I'm sure, nice things and probably the same things pretty much they'd prayed. And then they quit. And my eyes are still like, I don't think they're here anymore, Lord. Is anything going to happen? And after a few minutes, I opened up my eyes. And they were like three-fourths of the way down the duct tape. And I'm the only guy who's standing up. I'm the only one. Immediately, the devil starts talking to me going, you so suck at this, man. You can't even fall down. (laughs) And I was so hungry for God. It didn't happen. And I just started pushing the devil's voice out, and I said, what, Lord? And the voice of the Lord that was so new to me, so powerful at that time said you've driven a long way for what I wanted to give you in your own church the bread is here the bread is here you want the bread father we look to you And we call out with the psalmist, Oh God, you're my God, earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you and my body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there's no water. I've seen you in the sanctuary and I've beheld your power and your glory because your love is better than life. My lips will praise you with singing lips. My mouth will glorify you. I think of you through the watches of the night, Lord. We're hungry for you like David was, Lord. And as we come to these tables this morning as our act of response, I pray, God, that you would show us that just by getting up from where we are and coming to these tables, that you are taking us out of something and into something better. That we're going to leave a little more of of the carnal man behind when we respond to your call to come. God, there's nothing I can do for these elements on these tables. There's nothing I can do for anyone. And so I pray that the power of your Holy Spirit would move in every heart so that they would come to you and their faith would be honored and you would meet with them in the bread and the cup. We invite you to come in the name of Jesus. Amen. See, we have communion tables set up, which is going to be our ministry this morning. I felt different about this morning, and I'm not sure if we'll have prayer team people up, but 
because I think everybody needs to answer this question. Am I coming into Jesus? Only you can answer that question. Am I coming into Jesus? Am I believing about Jesus? Or am I coming into him? And I just want to invite you to come. We have tables, two in the front and two in the back. So you can go to whatever one's the closest to you. And um, here's how I think you should do it this morning. Uh, Almost always we take communion together.